I'm Nora McNerney, and this is Terrible. Thanks for asking. The things you expect when you have a newborn baby is a lot of crying and pooping and fussiness and just, you know, that you will never sleep because your baby's going to be so fussy and cryy and poopy. Unless you have a baby like Bryson. It was like having an adult child, I guess you could say, because he was very laid back and didn't care what I was doing. I mean, as long as I fed him, changed his diaper. I mean, he really didn't care if I changed his diaper, honestly. (laughs) um, He he liked to just lay down and look around, and he was always taking everything in. And at three months old, he was in nine to 12-month clothing. And I don't know, he just seemed like he grew really, really, really fast mentally and physically. That's Chelsea. She's Bryson's mom. Bryson's parents are Chelsea and Kevin, and Chelsea and Kevin live in small-town Minnesota. So for all of you who say that I have a cute Minnesota accent, just wait. Bryson was basically the best baby ever. Thick head of dark hair, really sweet disposition. He was mama's little sidekick. Bryson's dad, Kevin, is a sheriff's deputy. And Bryson's mom, Chelsea, works in corrections at a local jail, which makes Chelsea and Kevin the cutest little law enforcement couple ever. In the jail, we have access to our dispatch screen, which is um, where our dispatchers, they put all the information in from any 911 calls that come in. And so I like to use it when I was on night shift to kind of stalk Kevin and see what kind of mischief he was getting into. My coworkers always... They're always like, doesn't that worry you? Like, aren't you, like, obsessed with it? Like, you sit there and watch, like, make sure he's okay. And I'm like, I never worry about him. Like, I know he knows how to do his job, and I have faith that he'll be okay. I just like knowing what he's getting himself into. So then when I get home and he tries to tell me the story, I can be like, "Uh uh-uh, your notes said (laughs) da-da-da. This is so cute. You guys are so cute. (laughs) He's laughing at me. (laughs) He's like, yes, it's cute. I love it. (laughs) Cute is the word. (laughs) Bryson was their summer baby. He was born in July, so Bryson and Mom spent their maternity leave just hanging out all summer. (laughs) But like all good things, maternity leave has to end, and Bryson's parents had to go back to work. And I will tell you from experience, finding a daycare is always hard. But finding a daycare when you and your partner each work 12-hour shifts, that's harder. To find somebody that either A, could take Bryson for essentially 13 or so hours, or find somebody that's close to us or our family so that either they could drop off for us or pick up for us if they couldn't watch them for 13 hours. Now, they live in a small town, like a really small town. So just when Chelsea thought, you know, she was out of options, she was going to have to leave her job and stay at home all the time with this perfect baby, they found Molly. Molly was very, very faithful as well. So I remember specifically in her message to me, she was like, God is good. Like, I have an opening. I don't know how it happened. It just all came together and, you know, everything's going to work out. And I just remember like, oh, my gosh, this woman is a saint. (laughs) So now it's mid-October. It's time for Bryson's first day of daycare. And even though Bryson is an easy baby, Chelsea and Kevin feel like, you know, they got to get ready. They've never done this before. 
I'm trying to think of what does Bryson do in 13 hours? Well, he doesn't really do anything. He just sits around and watches everybody. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm pretty sure I overpacked. I had this big backpack that I used as a diaper bag. And I don't know how many outfits were in there. <laughs> and, um, so the first morning I dropped him off. And I was like, I don't remember what mornings are like, if it takes me a lot longer to get ready, or I imagine I'm really slow moving and it takes a while to get my pants on. I don't know. <laughs> so also when you the first time you do anything, at least for me, I'm like, I better leave six hours of like wiggle room. I don't know. I don't know. I've never driven before. It could take an hour. <laughs> Like, like, yeah, no, I was, I had joked to myself, like, but, you know, what if traffic is busy? And I'm like, oh, my God, Chelsea, the, the town is like, what, 2,000 people? Yeah. Could be. Could be a crazy day. Yeah. It's like, and who's something. awake at 5 a.m.? Come on. Everyone. All 2,000 of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. So, so I was pretty early. And so, but she was up waiting for me. And um, I don't think her, the next kids wouldn't get dropped off for like another two hours. And so. She would get up just for Bryson, and I dropped him off, and he was just all smiley, and she's like, well, it's going to be an easy day, and I said, well, I <laughs> really hope it is. She was just so easy to be around, so I, w- I was so confident and wasn't worried about anything. So after all that, that's that. She drops Bryson off, and she heads to work. Chelsea works at the detention center. Her coworkers are so excited to have her back, and she gets right back to work with the inmates. It went by really fast, and uh, I had a couple of breaks, and each time on every break, uh, Molly would send me a message and just tell me, like, hey, Bryson's doing well. He had just fought him. He's down for a nap, or um, she'd send me a picture of him, and yeah, it was, it literally was easy. So what is Bryson doing uh, at his first day? Apparently his first day there was pirate day. (laughs) So um, Molly sent Chelsea a picture of Bryson wearing a little patch on his head. Uh, She didn't have it on his, over his eye, but you know, just on top of his head. And um, so Chelsea sent that to me and you know, it just, it gave me a really good feeling. You know, I try to get home kind of on the dot at six o'clock and uh, park my squad in the garage, and the first couple times I took off, like, kind of my, most of my uniform, just so, you know, I wasn't running into daycare in full uniform, and people were kind of looking at me, but uh, she'd usually have them at the top of the steps, so it was a split-level home, and I, I'd walk up the stairs, and either he'd already be in his car seat, or she'd be holding him, and so I'd take him and put him in his car seat. She'd say, you know, he ate this time, he last had a dirty diaper at this time. So then I grabbed him, grabbed his stuff, and put him in my truck, took him home, and I went in the house and just waited for mom to get home. (laughs) This is all just normal new parent stuff. Chelsea and Kevin and Bryson, they're getting into a little rhythm, which is why this feels like a good place to take a quick break.
It's that time again, time for us to make a phone call. It's the best part of my day. I make at least one phone call a day. So we're going to call somebody from our Terrible Club, and I hope they answer. The Terrible Club is our little Facebook group full of our show's supporters and friends. It's really cool. Everybody's friends now. Hello? Timothy. Nora? Hi, how are you? So I'm hoping you will tell us why you like it. Yeah, I mean, it's great, you know. I mean, you post something and then people start sending you messages. They'll mail you packages. They'll ask you out for coffee. Okay, no one asked me out for coffee. (laughs) You guys are getting packages to each other? Yeah. God, I love you guys. I love that. All right, well, good. So you, you like being in the Terrible Club? Oh, I love it. Yeah, everyone's great. I've made friends and... Yeah, and you're really good at being there for other people, Timothy, I got to tell you. Oh, I try. So, right, don't you want to come and hang out with us in the Terrible Club and also answer the phone when your friends call? You can join the Terrible Club by making a donation of $5 a month or more at ttfa.org slash donate. And we're back. Bryson is in his second week at Molly's daycare. He's stayed easy and happy, and Chelsea and Kevin are adjusting to this new routine. Chelsea does drop-off, Kevin does pick-up, and Bryson does his thing. He hangs out with Molly and all the other kids for the 13 hours in between. The morning of October 27th started out like all those other mornings had. I wake up around 4.30 in the morning, and get myself ready, uh, go wake Bryson up. Uh, he does his little cute little stretch with his eyes closed, and I unbutton his outfit, and then he get, smiles at me. And as I was, or as I'm changing him, I say to him, Bryson John, we are not morning people. Stop your giggling. Like, why are you giggling? It's five in the morning. Stop. <laughs> and, um, so then I get him dressed and feed him. Um, and he, at that point, he was just finding his hands. And so he would like to put them in like a praying position over his chest. And so that's what he was doing. He was just sitting there with his hands over his chest. And I I, think I love went, when they do that. Yeah. Like they look so sweet and innocent. Like, <laughs> and then you wonder what's going through your head right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Is either praying or they're like launching an evil yes, plot. You have no yeah. idea. Like, Mom, I have the best diaper for you to change. <laughs> like, so I was like, please, buddy, just hold off until you get to daycare. <laughs> Molly was waiting for him, and I set him down, and she's like, oh, he looks happy this morning. And then I was like, oh, crap, you know, I got to go. And I distinctly remember, like, I, I looked down at him, and I, like, thought to myself... I just remember thinking, I love you, buddy, and I'll see you after work. Um, But I didn't say it out loud, and so it's just something that I'm still kind of mad at myself for. So Chelsea goes off to work. 
just like she always did. Nothing's different. And Kevin's day also started out normal. The sheriff's department that Kevin works for serves a few small towns in the area. So Kevin was out in the squad car like he always was. It's just a regular day, uh, driving around. I don't think I really was busy that morning. It was it was snowy, starting to snow, kind of a wet snow, first snow of the year. Um, I'm not sure if it was what I had for breakfast or if it was what was going on, but I just... I felt weird. Don't really know how to explain it, I guess. Um, So I just kind of shook it off. At 11.15, Chelsea was in the detention center, just coming back from a break. I checked my phone and I didn't have any messages from Molly, which I was kind of like, oh, okay. He must not have done anything this morning. She wasn't thinking of texting me any silly thing that he did. And Kevin was in his squad car cruising. As usual, Kevin started to tap at the computer in his squad car to see what calls there were. We kind of have to do, like, if it's a new call that's coming on, you can click on it and there might not be anything, no notes or any description or anything. So you, you click back out and click back in to see if it updated and you, you kind of keep on doing that until, um, you know, the notes pop up and you figure out what what's going on. Back at Chelsea's work, she passed that status screen. You know, the one where she would look at all the calls and see where Kevin might be sent off to? As usual, she opens it up, taps around. And I saw there was a medical call in our hometown, and I clicked on it. um, And the notes read, a five- to eight-week-old baby not breathing. Um, This is a daycare center. Uh, CPR in progress, and and it said, like, no shock advised a few times, and then it just said, like, CPR continued, gold cross en route. And I said to my trainee, I was like, oh, I think a baby just died. And then I exited out of it, and I went about whatever I was doing, and then I just, like, my stomach just started to hurt. Um, and I see that it's out in the county. So it's our jurisdiction. And I look at the address and I recognize it because it's from our from the city that we live in. And it's close to where Bryson goes to daycare. And so I looked at the screen again and I clicked on the address and then it hit me that it was Bryson's daycare. And um, I just froze, and I turned around to run out of the unit, and I could see through my unit door on the other side, my captain was running down the hallway towards me. So I think that was when I realized that, okay, it's, it's Bryson. Um, and I screamed and... Uh, They opened the door, and the captain just kept saying, we don't know, we don't know, we don't know. They haven't said a name. And she walked me out of the facility into the administration offices and sat me in her office with her and 
I just immediately got down on my knees and started praying to God that it that it wasn't Bryson. Immediately after I realized where it was at, uh, I knew it was Bryson. And so I called on the radio that I was going to respond, even though it wasn't in my area. It's about 20 miles away. But I knew no matter what I did from my perspective, from where I was at, there was nothing I could do. So I drove about as fast as the roads would let me. And I had my lights and sirens on praying the whole way there that he was going to be okay. So Kevin arrives at his son's daycare, like he has for the past week or so. Normally, he goes home first and he changes so that he doesn't arrive for pickup in full-on cop gear. But this time, Kevin is going to that daycare as a dad and as a cop in full uniform, walking past two ambulances, past his coworkers. And I walk into the house, and I direct it upstairs where he's laying on the floor. They're doing CPR on him. And I just sat in the kitchen, pleading to God that he would start breathing again. And they worked on him for a good half hour doing their whatever they do to get your body, you know, your heart going and breathing and whatnot. But so they took me out of the house while they were still working on him just to kind of get me away from it. Um, And I went across the street to uh, another person's house who was actually a, a police officer as well, but he wasn't working. And I sat on his couch, still praying and pleading that he would start breathing again. Chelsea is still at work, still in her boss's office, still praying. I, I feel terrible because I'm hoping that for some reason there was another baby there. Like, here I am praying that it's somebody else's baby. And my captain just kept saying, like, we haven't heard, like, we don't know for sure who it is. And so we just sat there in silence pretty much. And then her office door opened and the sheriff walked in and he tried to give me a hug and I shoved him away. And he's, I said, I know why you're here. And he said, uh, I'm here to comfort you, Chelsea. And I said, no, you're here to tell me that my son is dead. Like, that's what your job is. And... He just kept saying, you know, we haven't heard, we don't know, we haven't heard anything, they're still working on him. And I said, nobody's even told me, is, you know, is it Bryson? Nobody has actually said, like, yes, it's Bryson. And and the sheriff said, yes, it is Bryson. And Kevin's there. Um, we're getting a squad for you. We're going to take you to him. We're going to take you to Kevin. And maybe five minutes went by, and they came and got me and walked me back over to the house. 
And my supervisor looked at me, and he just, by the look in his eyes, I could tell that he and Bryson had died. We get into the squad, and my chief deputy was driving us, and um, it was our first snowfall. Like, it was... It wasn't anything big, but it was our first snowfall. And um, we were almost to the town, and I looked over at my captain, and I said, I know he's gone. And she said, no, don't say that. And I said, no, I can feel it. Like, I'm his mom. Moms, moms know that kind of stuff. And uh, my chief de deputy that was driving, he said, you know, babies are resilient. They can face anything and come back. Um, and he, no, he barely even finished that sentence and his phone rang. And... I remember him saying, uh, yeah, I have Chelsea with me. Um, we're just coming into town. I'll just talk to you when I get there. And so we pull up to the street that our daycare was on, and I see a bunch of squads and an ambulance, and everybody's just kind of standing around and in groups. And I don't see Kevin, and we pull over, and I get out, and um, my captain grabbed my hand, and we started walking over towards the daycare house. And all I could think of was hold it together, Chelsea, because your husband just watched our son die. So there I was. This is a this was a very unusual, I guess, circumstances, um, because there was a lot of um, upper administration, I guess you could say, um, were at this call. They had specifically come out because I work for the department, and Chelsea also works for the department. But even though I was surrounded by all these people, I just. I just felt so alone. I just lost my son. And so I stood in the garage just just waiting. They told uh they told me that Chelsea was coming. And so I just sat there waiting. Uh, full of emotion, full of thoughts. You know, I've responded to death calls in my career, but never in a million years would I have thought that it was going to be my own son. As I get closer to the house, I see Kevin standing by himself in the garage crying. And I don't know if I've ever seen my husband cry in the nine years that we've been together. I still couldn't cry. <laughs> and I just walked up to him and 
hugged him, and then I made him sit down on a lawn chair that was sitting in the garage. And I just wrapped my arms around him and held him. I just kept saying, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. And we're not going to let this break us. We're going to make it through. We're going to be okay. Um, And then I think one of the detectives maybe came out to the garage and told us if we wanted to come in the house to see him that we could. And so we went in to see him. And so I could hear all of the daycare kids playing in the basement. And I could hear Molly crying from somewhere and screaming, he was fine, he was fine. Um, and they took us up the steps into the main level. And Bryson was just laying on the living room floor wearing his Halloween onesie because it was a Halloween party that day. And um, he was supposed to wear all black as a, to be a ghoul. And he just looked like he was sleeping. Looked like he was sleeping. Very peaceful. His eyes were closed. Um, he always had a thing about, he, he always would look to the right. And um, we had kind of got him, you know, uh, prior, a few weeks prior to him. Uh, dying he we got him to you know kind of find out what the left left of the world was like but um (laughs) but it was so he was when he was lying there he was looking to the right so we were just kind of just um reminiscing about how he you know always looked to the right and that's so we just kind of sat there and took it all in i feel like any other you know parent in this situation would have would have been you know screaming to pick up their child and and I knew that that wasn't something that we could do because it's considered a death investigation um so I told Chelsea I said well we have to you know stay kind of stay back you know and we can sit there and and look at them but we can't can't touch them but uh, my coworker, um one of the detectives came up and said if you'd like, you can, you know, hold his hand or, or touch his face, um, you know, as long as we didn't really completely move him or anything like that. So we just took some time with him, and I held his hand and kind of rubbed it like I would do any other day. And pretended for a moment that he was just sleeping. The cause of Bryson's death was ruled SIDS, which is an acronym for Sudden Infant Death Syndrome, which is like saying there's no cause of death because sometimes babies just die. There was no defect in Bryson that went undetected. There was nothing wrong with Bryson. He was perfect, just like he'd always been. And for Chelsea, knowing that 
is a relief. I was hoping it was SIDS and that they couldn't find anything wrong with him because all I could think of is, you know, what if he had a heart defect and now I'm going to feel guilty because I grew him. You know, maybe I should have, maybe I shouldn't have missed that prenatal vitamin that day. Like, what if that's the reason why his heart was defected or... Maybe I shouldn't have had that coffee. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Or maybe mm-hmm. I shouldn't have eaten that Burger King Whopper. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You know. I mean, no matter what, <laughs> yes. it's always going to be, I get it. Yeah. yeah. You know, it tore a heart apart to know that, you know, there really was nothing wrong with him and that it was just, God just wanted him back, I guess. But in a sense, it was also comforting to know, you know, we did everything that we were supposed to. We did everything that we could for him. It's a relief to know that Bryson just died. And it's also really, really hard Because the hard things in life, at least for me, are easier when there's something to blame. Something to point to, something to help us make sense of the senseless. If it was his heart, that's that's something. If it were Molly, that's something. And it wasn't Molly. Molly is still an important part of Chelsea and Kevin's life. She was at Bryson's funeral. They love her. Chelsea and Kevin are religious people. They're Catholic, so... Maybe that's something to lean on or something to blame, like God, right? It's God's plan. Maybe, yeah, no, sort of. Even if you have God, losing your baby is not going to be easy. Life is not going to be easy. And for me, that's always been the struggle with faith or with religion. What kind of a God gives us the Grand Canyon and those little tiny seahorses and love and babies and also famine and war and sudden infant death syndrome? WTF God. That's hard for me, a person who's still figuring out a lot of faith stuff. And it's hard for Chelsea, who is a person with a strong faith. And honestly, that kind of makes me feel better. The first few weeks after Bryson passed, I was really, really, really struggling with faith. Um... I was telling God I hated him every single day, numerous times. I guess we just prayed that he didn't suffer. Um, Prayed that he's not alone. I guess I prayed that we could get through this. We have to to find a way to get through this. And I don't know how that's going to go. If faith should be easy, and I really don't think it's supposed to be, it should at least be easy at church, right? Like, it should be smooth sailing once you're in God's house. Except that even people of faith are just people. We were at a mass, and um, I saw this little family walk through the door, and I had never seen them there before. And it was a mom and dad, and... um, there was a child that was Older probably around was like, girl, like six or seven. 
Um, and then there was a baby in a car seat and they walked in and they just seemed so happy. And I instantly got jealous and I was full of rage and I was saying to God during church, like, why do they get to have their baby? Why do they get to be happy? You know, why us? Why did you choose us? Why did you choose Bryson? You know, why couldn't you have taken their baby? And I sat through mass thinking that the entire time mass was over and that mom walked up to me, not knowing who I am or I don't know who she is, and gave me a hug and she whispered in my ear, our little girl would have been three this summer. And it hit me like, wow, <laughs> okay, thanks God. <laughs> that was your sign that here I'm jealous of this family who seems so happy on the outside and has it all together and is perfect and they went through what we went through. They lost a baby too. Man. It's almost like we're all going through our own personal heck and need to be reminded of that on a daily basis, even when we're in the midst of a personal heck, even when we're in the midst of a personal heck while we're at God's house. At this point, I'd like a show of hands for every person who has been in a situation like Chelsea's where you're thinking sort of bad thoughts about a person and then they say something to you and it changes your perspective and you're like, this is the honor system, but I'm trusting that you're all raising your hands. I have both of mine up. After church, Chelsea's not feeling so good. Possibly it's the big old glass of perspective she just chugged at church. Or maybe it's the glasses of alcohol she had at a wedding reception the night before. You know, they'd had a little fun. They'd gone out. They'd tried to be normal. We were at the wedding reception and we were both having a couple drinks and I joked to Kevin, maybe I should have taken a pregnancy test before. And we just kind of laughed like, yeah, no, it's not possible. Like, <laughs> there's That's like a 0% chance that that would happen, right? <laughs> and then... I had felt kind of nauseous, but I kept putting it off, assuming it was just my nerves from losing Bryson and everything that was going on. And, um, and I was just sitting on the couch and I just like had the urge to take a test. I'm like, I know it's going to be negative. As a person who has taken many pregnancy tests, I will tell you right now that there is only one possible result when you say it's going to be negative. It came back positive like immediately. And my heart just stopped, and I thought that, no, this can't be, like, this can't be real. Like, what? It's got to be a defected test. Something's not right. So I took it Good out. I think they come in three packs. <laughs> right? <laughs> I took it out to him, and I just sat it up. No warning or anything. Yeah. Just, here's a pregnancy test, <laughs> yeah, it Kevin, was... <laughs> and it's positive. So... <laughs> And he just kind of like sat there and stared at me and I said, I'm going to take another one just in case. <laughs> but you hold on to this piece, Jack. <laughs> See if it changes. Yeah. So, hold it flat. <laughs> hold it flat. Went and took another one and yeah. came back positive right away and went and sat on the couch with them. And then um, I just started crying and I kept saying Bryson's name and um, it just, if I don't know, it just didn't feel real again, you know, like. I felt bad feeling excited. Um, Kevin sat up and he was like, I guess now is a good time to tell you. Around the time that Bryson passed, he doesn't remember the exact day, but he thinks it was before, the week, during the week before he 
passed, he had a dream that we were pregnant. Um, and it was a girl. And so then right away, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> God's talking to us. Uh, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> it's amazing, but it's also kind of scary and weird. And why'd you wait so long to tell me this dream? <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't you have? I just had like six drinks yeah. at this wedding. Okay. <laughs> but I was trying to, at the wedding, I remember like I couldn't get drunk and I was like, are they not putting vodka in this drink? Like, why am I not feeling No, your this? body's just like, just discarding it. Yes. <laughs> that would explain the 12 bathroom trips. Yeah. <laughs> it's been just a couple weeks since Bryson died. So Chelsea and Kevin feel happy and sad and scared. Is this pregnancy a way of God doing a switcheroo? Is this baby of theirs sent from Bryson? And if God could take Bryson from them, what's going to keep God from taking this baby or the next baby or all their babies? I just wasn't ready to, I guess, replace Bryson. Not that it it is in any way, shape, or form, but um, that's kind of what it felt like, like, we are replacing Bryson with another one. I spent weeks um, sitting on the couch researching these monitors and reading reviews and trying to figure out which ones are the best because not just one, I'm going to need more than one. Um, one is never going to be good enough. And But then I had asked Kevin, I was stuck between two of them, and I had asked Kevin what he thought, and he responded with, we just need to have faith that God will take care of this baby. Like, God will make sure this baby is okay. And I want to so badly to rely on my faith and God, but I did that with Bryson. Um, I had a monitor for Bryson that would go underneath his mattress, but I never used it because I was faithful that he would always be okay. I mean, that monitor sat in its bag next to his bassinet his whole three months of life. I never once used it. Um, because I was faithful and look where it got me. And so it's a daily struggle with having faith that God will make sure that we are okay and that this baby makes it, um, so that we don't have to go through another tragedy. Um, but yet as a parent, you want to do everything in your power to make sure that you don't go through the tragedy again. So that is honestly a daily struggle for me. That is the struggle, right? That's the push and pull that we all go through with or without faith between acknowledging and appreciating the beauty of this life and trying to make sense of the senseless pain we're force-fed heaping spoonfuls of. The push and pull between just sitting with our own singularly crappy life experiences and opening ourselves up to the suffering of others. It's never easy for any of us, but when I was going through super hard life stuff, I was very, very jealous of people with strong faith because I didn't have that. And it seemed like believing in something would make it easier to deal with the unbelievable. But it doesn't, not always at least. One thing uh, that our priest told us... um a few days after Bryson died. You know, we. I think when things in our lives happen, 
we try to find justification for them. Is this why it happened, you know, because of a family issue that we're having or this happened because it was going to bring our family back together or, you know, something like that. People are always like, you know, everything happens for a reason. But um, one thing that the priest had said was we don't know why these things happen. I mean, we like to take a wild guess and, you know, that whatever makes us feel better type thing. But we don't know why... um, these things happen and we aren't going to know until we're on the other side type thing. Um, We're not going to know until we meet God. And I don't have any feeling on why Bryson died. I mean, there's no rhyme or reason for it. It's something that is a part of our life now. It's something that will always affect us. Um, It's shaped how we're going to live now um, from this point on. Um, You know, we're not going to take things for granted. That's about all I have. After Bryson's death, Chelsea started a Facebook page in his memory. Or did she? Joke's on everybody. It was Kevin. No, I'm just kidding. I was like, like, (laughs) (laughs) plot twist. Okay. It, It wasn't Kevin. It was Chelsea. The Facebook page is a kind of journal for Chelsea and a way to remember their son. It's filled with her struggles with grief and with faith. It's filled with hopes for their second son and memories of their first. It's just as complicated as any other memorial page I've ever read because being a person of faith doesn't mean that you get to take the express lane through grief. It's not like believing in God makes everything better immediately. It still hurts that Bryson is dead. It's still complicated to be pregnant with a second baby while deep in grief for your firstborn. Through this Facebook page, Chelsea is connected with hundreds of other parents who are grieving their children. And those relationships have become a part of her healing. She called the page Bryson's Purpose. Not because of some everything happens for a reason and it was Bryson's purpose to be born and die suddenly at three months old, But because Bryson, his life, and his memory are his parents' purpose now. Chelsea and Kevin still have faith in God, in each other, and in Bryson, their own personal angel. I'm Nora McNerney, and this has been Terrible. Thanks for asking. Our senior producer is Hans Buto. Our intern is Muna Sheikhomar. Hannah Meekock-Ross is our project manager and basically just one of the great people in my life. We got massive help this week from Raymond Tungakar and Curtis Gilbert, who shaved his beard. And I have to say, Curtis, I don't even think I got to tell you this. I really liked your beard. I saw it from a distance. Big, big, extra special, super amazing thank you to Catherine Richard from NPR News for making this entire story possible and pulling it all together and just being wonderful. Thank you. We are taking a few weeks off, just a few. I realize I was not clear last time that we will be back. 
taking a little break because we got to work on some live shows and you should get tickets to them. First two are in St. Paul, that's Minnesota, April 13th and 14th. Tickets are at FitzgeraldTheater.org. Our theme music is by Joffrey Lamar Wilson, and we are from American Public Media. That's where we're from. 